Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, Ryan! 77! Congratulations on reaching episode 77! How do I compete with that intro? Well, I don't, that's how. I am Dave the Rat Rattenbury, as you may have seen, and as you may notice, I'm not your usual host. That's because today we have a very, very special guest. Now, before we get on to our guest, if I can just ask Vic to put down the subscribe thing, and if I can ask you all to subscribe, like, share it with your friends, bring everyone to the trenches, because the trenches is where it's fun. So, the man doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. This is Ryan Roxy. Hello. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? Fancy great, seeing great you to meet here you. in the trenches. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we got to know each other a bit backstage, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a good one. How about that intro? Who was that, yeah, by the way? That was Blaze Bailey. Yes, it was. No doubt about it, it was. That was great. I don't know. There were so many surprises in that intro that I was not expecting. I saw some new animation on the subscribe button. Vic, thank you very much. I think that's his name, right? The producer? Yeah, Vic. Vic's the guy you met earlier who got you all, you all hooked up. It's cool. Yeah, cool. He's good. And, really. uh, and we're all here. There's, there's, everyone's here. The, the faithful have turned up. Now, on that basis, Ryan, welcome to In the Trenches. Uh, have you had a you had a good day? Is everything going well? I've had a pretty friggin' great day. Different than norm than the last seventy six previous Tuesdays. Just so you know, <laughs> you know, because usually Tuesday I'm busy um, doing the research and going down the YouTube rabbit hole and doing as much research that I can on the guest. And today I didn't have to do any research. At all, I don't think. All I had to do was play nine holes of golf. Bianca walked nine holes of golf with me. Um, it was a par three course for those of you that are keeping score at home. I played with my buddy Bjorn, and uh, I got three pars, uh, three bogeys, and then the other ones I don't want to talk about. Well, that's interesting you come out with all that because uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the uh, in the chat don't know what those terms mean. Uh, I have a feeling, though, something we'll get onto a bit later that they will soon, but we'll leave Very that for soon. later on. Very soon. If you are into golf, you know, that is going to be a super, super exciting news well, coming. But you know what? That's, that's so far into the next week's future. Let's talk about this 77th week. Wow. Let's talk about now the 77th week. So um, let's start off. Now, normally we would have a segment straight out. Let's go get back to go forward or however way round you say it. Um, but, <laughs> I still but, don't but know how. <laughs> I'm still but let's, be, let's give credit where it's due. Uh, Robbie Miller did a part one of this episode, and he did a really dive into the early days of Ron Roxy. So, not now. When you finish this, head back April 28, 2020. You'll see it in the In the Trenches channel, and head there for the early days of Ryan Roxy. So, we're going to, because we have so much juicy stuff to get into that we did cover in the last episode, 
that uh, I know a lot of guys out there are looking forward to. Apparently, he played for some guy called Alan Cooper or, or something like that. We'll, right there. We'll get into that. This guy. Oh, yeah. you're wearing anything great. Well, I'm Not sure only do I wear it on my up. sleeve, I proudly wear it on my left breast. And you know what? You know what's great about this episode? It's not week 77, because I thought about that when we talked about it, because we've been going for longer than 77 weeks, but um, it's the 77th episode. So we've been going on Mm. since the... uh, Vic, I'm not sure how long it was. It was somewhere around the, the latter end of 2019, and then 2020, we really kicked it into gear. But honestly, everybody that's in the chat right now... They're the ones that uh, are responsible for making this what it has been and what it is and what hopefully it's going to be. So, And you too, Dave. You're great. So, And Thank credit you. where credit's due. Robbie Miller did a great job of the first uh, part one Roxy interview. I'm not sure at what episode number that was. Maybe it was half of 77. I don't remember the episode number, but it's definitely April 28, 2020. So 13 months ago. Wow. So uh, head on, head on into the channel. Go down the rabbit hole, as Ryan likes to say about his guests, and uh, that'll take you. I mean, so using that as a nice jumping-off point uh, towards the end of Robbie's episode, we'd kind of got to the point where Brian Nelson had given you the call um, that you were going to be in Alice Cooper. You talked us through the audition and um, yeah. how you decided that because Red Beach already had the shred-in position on lock, you were going to go the other way with it. So. Starting from there, this is actually a kind of a kind of don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Here's a myth, or <laughs> or it could be a truth. Myth is it legend. correct yeah. that the Cabo Wabo show, aka Fistful of Alice, was your first performance with the new band? That is definitely is that a fact. That was the first time I was on stage with Alice Cooper. Um, was the first time that they recorded for a live album, a VH1 special, and the first time ever jamming on stage with a bunch of these guys that I would end up uh, in forthcoming years jamming plenty of times with. One of them being Slash um, coming up on stage as a special guest. Another one being Sammy Hagar coming up as a special guest. Rob Zombie came up as a special guest. And, you know, throughout the years, we would, again, meet up on stage a lot of times as, you know, schools out or some sort of Alice Cooper jam. But then something like with Slash, I ended up playing in a band with him for, you know, a bunch of years and making the second uh, Slash's Snake Pit record, which I'm really proud of. I played it a couple of weeks ago for some friends that had not heard that album. Um, it's one of those things when you mention Slash and Slash's Snake Pit, a lot of people know that Eric Dover was the lead singer and Gilby Clark was the guitarist for Slash's Snake Pit uh, Part 1. I was Part 2, Mach 2, if you will. And that lineup, I really, really, really respect as far as musicians, talent, energy, everything. And Rod Jackson was the singer of that. But perhaps I'm going a little bit too far forward uh, than what you want. But uh, I do have well, fond memories actually, of Snake, Snake Pit. That, that is actually where I was kind of segue into. So obviously you did you did the first couple of tours with Alice. And um, so when when you signed up for Alice, what was the deal? Because uh, <laughs> I remember the I remember the the promotion being Alice's farewell tour or, or something like that. 
There was a show on when I was growing up, and I, I think the only one that's old enough that watches this program, maybe maybe there's a few of us out there, but uh, I know Vic will understand. There's the lyrics to this TV show that we used to watch called Gilligan's Island. And uh, there was how many hours was the tour that I was supposed to, that the Gilligan's Island was supposed to be? A three-hour tour. A three-hour tour, right? They, they so good, they said it twice. I was supposed to be, I was promised a one year tour. That was it that they could promise. Alice wanted to dip his toe back into uh, touring, but he didn't know if it was going to be a permanent thing. And the ironic thing or the, you know, sort of hilarious thing is that he's never skipped a year since 1996 of touring, except for, well, we didn't even skip 2020, to be honest with you. Even with the pandemic, we got Australia and New Zealand in. So, Alice has not missed a single year of touring ever since that 1996 tour. And I remember it so well because I was promised a one-year tour. And there was another band that had a um, pretty prominent record deal. They were new. They were out of the gate. And I remember their A&R guy saying to me on the phone, why do you want to join a band, a dinosaur band, like Alice Cooper, when you can be in this new band and have a, you know, you have nothing but the future to look forward to. Whereas Alice, what's it going to be? One or two years. And and then you have to look for more work. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm putting my money. I'm putting everything I have and I'm putting my, my sort of heart, soul, gut all into this old school classic rocker because I knew just what kind of a legacy he had already made for himself and what I could possibly lend to his legacy and all the different bands and all the doors that it could open in the future years. And uh, it paid off. It paid off like a thousand times. You know, I always wanted to see the world playing music and Alice was the one that let me do it and do it, you know, on more of a business class ticket. (laughs) (laughs) You did cover in the last episode that like Gilby Clark was your first experience of doing the whole record label tour bus thing. And I suppose with Alice, it was like the next level entirely, especially in terms of production. Yeah. Well, with Alice Cooper, it was the first time I ever stayed at a Four Seasons Hotel. It was the first time I ever got to, uh, you know, play on the same stage as some of these huge, huge, touring bands. We've done shows, obviously with Gilby, we had done some really big shows with Aerosmith uh, down in South South America. And, you know, at that time, Gilby was on top of the world. And so was Aerosmith. It was an amazing tour. Um, but it was just uh, uh, probably a one tour, you know, type of thing. Whereas the first tour with Alice was a year long or I forget how long it was six eight months with with the scorpions and that was all over the states all playing all those um amphitheaters that i had heard about that you know when i was living in new york i'd always heard oh man you got to play this jones beach it's a really cool place and i'd been to jones beach but i just never played it and then you know luckily with alice i've been able to play all those bucket list type venues my um my whole my favorite irony about the uh, whole ninety six schools out tour was you joined for a one year farewell tour 
and you've ended up in being um, the longest running member of the band. I know Chuck Garrick almost caught up with you for a while in terms of unbroken <laughs> tenure, but if you add together your two tenures, you are the longest running member of the band other than Alice himself. I always which say, would not I, have I, thought. I am the Bruce Kulick of the Alice Cooper band. That's <laughs> a, I pride myself in that. Um, yeah, I guess Chuck Garrick and I have always been a little bit competitive with everything, whether it's us playing golf, learning golf, playing poker together. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're buds on stage right. We're the stage right guys. And we've been that way since um, 2012 when I rejoined the band because I was on stage left, you know. And if you look at old promo pictures, I had, you know, some blonde hair. Just like a certain other lead guitar player that's on stage oh, wait. left as well. They're gonna get to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I'm, I'm I'm very happy with my uh, stage right position now. And if you do come to an upcoming concert, there is not going to be any, uh, no, knock on wood. There's there's everybody's going to be in the same position there. But uh, we are so excited and looking forward to this. Uh, these dates that just got released and hopefully everybody that's in the chat right now appreciates that we're going to be out there um, God willing and uh, everything working its way uh, it's supposed to be I mean I don't think they would they would um, announce the dates if they weren't really really um, confident that they're going to go through so you know I you know what I, I say uh, fingers crossed in in England do they have a different term? Because here in Sweden, they say holding thumbs, which I don't know. Uh, for, for us, it's fingers crossed over in England. Cross your fingers, okay. fingers crossed. I, I wonder what it's like in other countries, you know, like like if, if they have different superstition, if it's like, you know, punch yourself in the face for luck or I, <laughs> I mean, because in, it's, it, I just find it weird in Sweden. It's like hold your thumbs. But then again, you know, does it make sense? I mean, kill two birds with one stone. Uh, in Sweden, it's uh, swat two flies with one hand. Uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. You well, know. Do you have to kill two birds with one stone? We have killed two birds with one stone. I think yeah. we, we, we took everything from you anyway. That's the way it <laughs> uh, We I think a lot of the time we gave it willingly, except for that little bit around 1776 where it got a bit. Uh, anyway, there's, it wasn't that, 1777, that's in but 1777, that's what we're doing. There it is. Italy this, says the same. They they did they did 1776 just so 1777 could be the party year. They didn't want 77 to be taken up with admin. That that's that's how you can look at it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you did kind of touch on it a, a little while ago. Not long into your tenure with Alice, around 99, 2000, um, you you were in Slash's Snake Pit. So how did that come around? And as you said, it's not something people touch on a lot because it always gets forgotten when uh, when you get brought up. There he is with his dreads. There he is. That's why I, I didn't even have to suck it in. That's 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 me without <laughs> even... Well, I was probably still sucking it in a little bit in the gut. But yeah, you know. Um, yeah, because it's weird with the Slash's Snake Pit experience because I remember being on tour with Gilby and Slash... Uh, communicating with Gilby, sending them these songs, going back and forth when they were writing that first record. And we were on tour, you know, it, it was the Gilby Clark band on tour. And then, you know, a couple of years passed, I joined Alice and it kind of happened immediately after that Cabo gig. We started, we realized that when we could play off each other, 
uh, when he gravitated to my side of the stage, uh, I remember we played the song Only Women Bleed, and he had learned the album version, and, I, and the whole band only knew the live version. So, you know, it was one of those situations where we had to learn the entire album version in about, you know, I think we had about maybe one or two hours before the show because he came down to sound check, said, well, let's play Only Women Bleed. And we're like, okay, cool. And he goes like, you learned the album version, right? And we're like, yeah, sure we did. Slash, can you come back in about... <laughs> Can we come back in about an hour and a half for sound check for the end of for another sound check a little bit later and then you know we'll have it all down. We're just working up some little things and then we actually had to learn the uh, album version, but we did it well. And he grad he gravitated to my side of the stage that night. We jammed well together. I remember his manager um, talking to me briefly, um, just asking me a few questions like you know how are, how are things going. Um, everything's congratulations on getting the Alice Cooper band. And then I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple tours later, uh, that's when slash had come up again. And then, um, he started calling me at my hotel room just the same way he had called Gilby. While I was on tour with Gilby, he started calling the hotel room. We just started talking music, started talking riffs, started talking. Well, if we were to put something together, who would be the, uh, right singer? So first of all, he you know he was jamming with Teddy Zigzag at that time. Um, actually, I think it was Blues Ball. That was the name of the band. It was a jam band. Um, I'm not sure if your producer Vic has a picture of that. If he does, he should put it up. Oh, he's shaking his head. He doesn't. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but he he was a band and Johnny Griparic, um, who was the bass player with of Slash Snake Pit my version that I was in, uh, he was already jamming with him. And, um, we started coming up with a couple riffs and Matt log of course was playing drums. And I remember these riffs that first started coming across from slash. I was like, well, you know, who would be the perfect singer slash? He's like, who, who he goes, um, it would be a guy with red hair. And he's like really great screamer and this amazing debut album they put out. And he goes, ah, don't even go there. Don't even, cause I really thought these sounded like vintage appetite for destruction riffs and energy and everything. You know, Axel would be the perfect singer for this version of this band. And why not? Um, he said, don't even go there. And so that was first suggestion kind of shot down, but that's okay. I mean, I was, wasn't expecting that or I wasn't, I wasn't, thinking that that would actually happen. But another suggestion I did put in uh, was, I said, well, what about the guy from uh, Stone Temple Pilots, Scott Whelan? I think he's, he's, he's a rock star. You know, he might have some problems and this and that, and, but he's got, and, he goes, and Slash looks at me and goes, why would I be in a band with a guy that has, you know, just as many problems as, as maybe more than what I had before and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, we're dealing with all these things. And, I said, okay, just throwing out that. Then my third idea. It's a good idea, job you didn't, really. Well, it, it did end up happening, didn't it? My of third idea that I had, folks, uh, was, okay, well, you know what? Just in case we don't find one lead singer, you know so many rock stars at this point, and they would all want to play with you. You're friends with Iggy Pop. You're friends with Lenny Kravitz. You know, you're friends with all these fucking Lemmy, you're friends with all these guys. 
why not just take a singer from each band and we'll make an album. And then if one of them wants to tour, they become the singer, right? But you, at least you have like a collection of all these singers and it's like, nah, this nah, also I, sounds awfully familiar. It, it very much is. So <laughs> see, you see the pattern I'm forming right now. And this did happen, but he actually, to his credit, he said, no, dude, I want to find a singer. I want to find the guy. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's keep looking. So we actually did try out a lot of guys. Um, I think one of the guys that came closest to getting and girls too, um, Beth Hart actually tried out great voice. She didn't try out. We, she, she was just in the conversation because I mean, the singers at this level, they weren't trying out. They were just like, well, does it fit? And, um, and I'm not, I'm not sure again, if your if your producer has a picture of Beth Hart, she could put it up or he could put it. No, he, he doesn't. <laughs> Okay, that's weird. So, but like, uh, like, funnily enough, most of his material is about this Ryan Roxy guy today. You know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we had these, you know, great, great guys and gals that came down. Uh, Jesse from what was the band that had the chainsaw. Um, somebody um, in the chat knows this. Um, to the chat. Yeah, it was uh, the chain. They, he he played lead chainsaw. And his, his name was Jesse from um, the band Killer Band. They still tour now. Um, all right. Well, Beth Hart is amazing, but we're looking for the name of the band that with the lead singer, Jesse, with a maybe, maybe it's, it'll, he, Jackal. It'll come up in a Thank minute. When no, it's Jackal. That Jackal. was it. Yes. There you go. So, Thank you, Mike. So Jesse from Jackal sang really good and he sang over these riffs. Awesome. It just somehow. Rod Jackson came into our orbit uh, right around that time. And once we met Rod, it was like, damn, this is the guy. He was the perfect combination of hard rock, but funk and soul influences and just full on energy and attitude. So um, once we had Rod, we were, we pretty much were, were cooking and that's when we would, go down to the snake pit and just spend all day jamming and writing songs and writing riffs and reworking it and everybody contributing. So that's what I'm, you know, really proud about that band is that, you know, there was, the songs were all split five ways because there was five people writing them and contributing. So that was a cool experience. Interesting you say that because one of the things um, I wanted to bring up was when you listen to um, that snake pit album, you can really hear you in it. Like you can hear like that the late nineties, early two thousands was kind of the formation of what a lot of um, what I call the OG RGA from the <laughs> like dad's porno mag, peace, love and Armageddon era. Yeah. Um, you, you can hear a similar sound and you listen to um, back to the moment on slash snake pit yep. and you listen to say love is war. Is that the same tremolo pedal? That's the same. <laughs> that's the same exact same tremolo pedal. Well, well sought out, Dave. And, and You've then, done your research uh, on that. Really good. And then that's I actually that's actually a Hughes and Kentner Rotospear uh, pedal, and and it's and one, light comes full circle. Comes full circle, doesn't it? Because now I'm actually a brand ambassador for Hughes and Kentner, and that pedal. Um, really helped out on a lot of those songs but you know you have to have to ask yourself what came first the chicken or the egg um because there was so much influence that i was getting 
jamming with Slash as opposed, and, and maybe he got a little bit of my sort of poppiness with heavy guitar as well thrown in there. But, you know, if you listen to a song on Peace, Love, and Armageddon, a Roxy 77 album called uh, Beat 'em, for instance, it's the guitar solo, the riff, everything is, if you think about it, it is so slash influenced. And, you know, like I said, in many, many interviews, you know, Slash was the best guitar teacher I ever had. And he wasn't, you know, I wasn't even taking lessons. I was I was taking lessons. He didn't know he was giving me lessons every single time we'd be jamming because I was, you know, finding out about his feel, about his uh, very unique sense of timing and the way his riffs kind of go on the off the upbeat. Um, I've always said that Steve Adler and Slash... Part of the reason why that whole appetite for just you know destruction album is so powerful and works is the relationship between the drums and the guitar. Obviously, you know the bass and axle is just incredible on the uh, on the album, and the everything came together. Everybody gave it their all on that album. But the unique thing for me is Steven Adler and Slash and the way they were able to, you know be on top of each other and um, sort of always uh, jostling for position, if you will, about with the song and it's just killer. So, yeah, I see. Thank you. Thank you for people uh, typing in the chat that they're taking the guitar lessons too from me. So I appreciate, I like being your teacher and I like you guys. I'll be part of the RGA. That's very cool. But so uh, did Slash ever was it ever explicitly said why he didn't go back to the first snake pit lineup was that a conscious decision or or did it just evolve into i'm hanging with different guys now i want it to be yeah. a different thing yeah i i don't think there was ever there was never any i i don't feel there was any animosity towards any members of the band because you know everybody knew everybody at that point i know matt had played on the first album but then brian tishy ended up playing drums on the tour um, and then Gilby, of course, the relationship that me and Gilby had for years is still, you know, so close and still, still strong. And, um, Mike Inez, I think was part of that whole crew as well. So, you know, everybody was, was, uh, cool with everybody and has been and still is. So I don't think it had anything to do with that. It was just one of those timing things. Um, one of those situations where this lineup kind of all jive together, I mean, there, I, here's a funny thing. Here's a funny story. I, I was in a band and many of you guys know this in the chat called dad's porno Mac, Mike Fasano on the drums, um, will efforts on bass. Um, and then later it became Stefan Adika on bass and Carrie Kelly on rhythm guitar. But we, when we started out, we were a trio with, uh, will efforts and, um, uh, Mike Fasano and I, I think it was that lineup. I'm pretty sure it was that lineup that we op- we did a little tour with Slash's Snake Pit and version one, Phoenix, L.A., San Diego, and that's where my first experience with hanging with all those guys. First time ever meeting Eric Dover. Um, wow, and- that's and and you and him kind of. Uh, you kind of pair up in a lot of places, as we'll see later on. So yeah, yeah. it's cool to hear that that's where you find kind of first. That was the first experience I've ever seen him. And, well, actually, I I, I, I digress. The first time I ever saw Eric Dover and I said, who the fuck is this, is when he was in Jellyfish. Because I went to go see a band called 
Jellyfish on the first show of their tour and the last show of their tour because I was a massive Jellyfish fan. Folks out there, if you haven't listened to Jellyfish, um, that's that's a band that you want to check out for sure. Um, the two main guys that were that started the band, um, Roger and Andy, they were both from my rival high school, Amador High. I went to Foothill High. They went to Amador High in Northern California, and they put out some albums that were <laughs> to this day <clears throat> a musicians band. I mean, I, are you a fan of Jellyfish? Obviously, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, I like a bit of jellyfish. Um, well, essentially, um, I won't go into the whole story now, but uh, after having some talks with Eric, there came a need for me to learn some jellyfish songs, which then 2020 happened. But the, the long and the short of it is, I'm listening to this music and I'm like, this is incredible what they're doing there, but I need to kind of go back and listen to it 18 times to hear every different layer. Yeah. Um, the song Ghost at number one, when you listen to that bit at the end where Roger's singing his bit and Andy's singing over it, and then they keep crossing over. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've said it before. I've said it to Eric. Roger Manning is a witch. That's the only explanation. <laughs> witch! You know. Don't burn him, though. <laughs> yeah, Jason, no, no, no. I, I think Jason Faulkner, obviously, I think he was, was I think it's, J, no, is it Jason Faulkner? Um uh, he was in. He was in. Uh, he was the first other Guitarist. guitar player. Yeah, and then, from, and then uh, Eric Belly Dover. Bar. Eric Dover took his place, I believe, at that point. So I saw the the first show of the Spilt Milk tour, which was at Magic Mountain, the same place where you see Spinal Tap and Puppet Show, and then I saw the uh, last show of their tour at the Palace in uh, Hollywood. So, yeah, that so that was the very first experience of Eric Dover, but then actually talking to him and not really talking to him because at that point, uh, snake pit one, Eric was, he was definitely in his, in his own orbit. You know, he was a front man and it wasn't until years later that, um, when we formed this band called glam nation together, that, uh, Eric Dover became super close to us because he goes, and the reason, only reason why he got, you know, into our orbit was because we asked him to come down to jam. And then every single song we said, we said, well, do you know this song? And he goes, I think I know it. And then he'd play it better than anybody else in the lineup. And he knew all the words and we're like, Oh my God, this guy's a musical genius. And to this day, that's what he is. And it's, yeah, that was my experience. Of that. My experience of that was when we were on that lost angels tour and we had that, unexpected night off and we were in that strange bar and the guy offers Eric his guitar and he does the most incredible acoustic version of you're so vain <laughs> and then just hands the guy his guitar back like it's no thing and I'm just like where did that come from was that the <laughs> was that the same bar that had the crazy guy from Manchester yeah the I think we were in guy. Blackpool I want to. I want to say. Blackpool. I want to say it was Blackpool <laughs> UK folks uh, don't don't go there unless you have a switchblade and uh, stay away from anybody in a trench coat. Does. <laughs> she won't was... get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he was an interesting guy. Um, yeah, talking of uh, interesting guys, you obviously you did the whole this whole slash thing and stuff. But let's go back to the main man. You did a lot with Alice Cooper in your first stint. So I have a I have a question from our own Robbie Miller. Okay. And. 
the Brutally Live Tour slash DVD, the one that everyone's seen where you're in the chainmail thing. I think everyone in this chat has probably seen Brutally Live at some point. It was my first Alice DVD. Um, Robbie would like to know, because that's kind of such an iconic set design, set list, it's like an iconic era. Do you have any specific moments from that tour that stand out? And just what was it like to be part of that show, not just that band? It was very cool to be part of an Alice Cooper show where he consciously wasn't just playing the hits. Of course, he played you know, Poison and School's Out, but I think we played six or seven songs off of the Brutal Planet album, which is unheard of, you know, for a classic rock artist to play mostly new stuff. It's it, it obviously happens, but this was one of those situations where he hadn't done it and hasn't done it, I don't think, since um, as much. But the whole lineup was, we were space cops. Uh, that's what we used to dress up as. It was Serious Clothing was our was our sponsor, Magnus, who's like a, actually a pretty big author these days. Magnus and Hooch. God rest her soul. But uh, Magnus and Hooch, they, they provided the clothes. Um, the set design was done, oh, some crazy, crazy company that actually didn't really realize that, you know, you could make a car out of foam. You could make an old burnt out car out of foam or you could make a prop out of anything other than what it was. So they made a car out of a car. So basically, the the weight, the pure mass weight of our set probably put the tour in the red because of it. Because it was like, it was so heavy. Every single piece of equipment that was on that, the, the big truss, the big, um, the opening scene where uh, the guys, he's half, he's half skeleton and half spine and he's like, welcome brave new citizens and stuff. Obviously, if you don't know this and I'm just a weird guy doing this, but uh, if you know the brutal planet tour, that, that thing <laughs> took like hours to construct. So it was not easy on the crew, that whole machinery of the tour, but the payoff was really, 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 really good because I remember that live, uh, brutally live DVD to this day. I've never watched the whole thing. Someday I will. I'll sit back in my chair and drool cup and probably go, ah, look at those guys. But it was at Hammersmith Odeon. I think it was that's what they used to call it. Or maybe it was the Apollo at, by that point. It was but, called the Apollo by that point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, it so was you, in that venue. Just to let you guys know how heavy everything was, that shirt, that metal link shirt was so heavy. And it would rust every single night. And so I'd have to spray this anti-rust stuff on it before every single show. And somehow, Eric Singer had sold it to me. He sold it to me, folks. Yes, he did. And I paid him for it. And apparently, I sold it years later. And it was on eBay and nobody bought it. <laughs> yeah, I sent you I sent you that link. <laughs> I wonder if your producer Vic has a picture of that metal chain shirt. Is it he's saying no he doesn't. Okay. Wow. wow. <laughs> um no, it's, it's brutally live. I mean, I think a lot of the reason it was so iconic is because it was captured in that DVD and and it's got a very sort of 
Um, the first half is current Alice. He goes through, like you say, most of the Brutal Planet album. Uh, he mixes in a couple of classics that fit the theme, but it's almost like a show of two halves. And then when he, after he's killed, he comes back out in the white suit and he does the hits. But like you say, they weren't all hits as such. I mean, Caught in a Dream. When have we ever heard that in an Alice show? You know, That is true. Well, we've always tried to bring one or two hidden gems to every single tour. You know, and um, I give Nita Strauss a lot of credit for bringing up a whole era. You know, she, she's fighting. She was fighting for, uh, on the on the newest tour, for instance, she was fighting for uh, Roses. What is it? Ro- Roses on White Roses Lace. Roses on White Lace. Yeah, yeah, she was fighting for that for years. Um, um, I actually was suggesting... Um, for years, bed of nails, and I'm glad we that's in the set as well. Um, but we always try to take one or two and, and suggest it, and it's it's up to Alice whether he wants to uh, whether he feels comfortable singing it and want, and feels it it uh, fits in the set. And I always respect that, you know, about Alice is that he always is thinking about the show. It's not just about the songs; it's how do the songs relate to the show, and. You know, I'll be honest, he has some stretches sometimes. <laughs> like, if we say the world needs guts, well, we need it in the show because, you know, and then he'll go on to this long, <laughs> convoluted answer that we go, okay, yeah, okay, we, we get it. So, um, but yeah, for him, it's always about what's going to make the show, um, what's going to fit into the show best with the songs. So, and of course, you know, we're going to play 18 i'm 18 we're going to play schools out we just have to figure out where they go there's been some years where we've put poison at the end as an encore there's been some that where we put it really early in the set on the motley crew tour the farewell motley crew tour poison was very early in the set and i was like yeah is that that, was is that weird i don't know but uh, for me, it was like, oh my God, they're doing Poison now. And from that point on, it was like, right, we can't predict the rest of the show. Because with someone who's been around as long as Alice, I mean, those of us who've seen him time after time after time, you, you start to get a feel of where it's going. But when he um, when he had Poison so early in the show, it was kind of like, all oh, right, so all bets are off now. He could go anywhere <laughs> with this. Yeah, you know, I, I was a little bit weirded by that because I didn't want people just to say, okay, I've heard Poison, bye. You know, but... Mm. You know, he Alice was betting that his audience wouldn't do that, and of course they didn't. You know, of course I, I I'm the guy that's like, wait, you save your biggest hits till the very last moment, and then you play that same song twice. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, he did. Uh, Theater of Death, which was um Damon Johnson and Kerry Kelly on guitar. He opened with Schools Out as like and a close, yeah, yeah, and close, and then close with Schools yeah, Out, yeah. and it was it was just kind of it was a bit jarring but there was a time there was a time where we in the alice cooper band we went with the medley a lot of medleys you know like taking Mm. a you know and that would lead for some really interesting arrangements and how to blend this and that together yeah i mean there is a medley in the current show with black widow and devil's food and then we you know we break into the musical interlude that's you know has always been sort of the trademark of the Alice show. If you've seen it since, uh, at least since 96, there's always been this sort of theme where, 
you know, there's a show, then there's a drum solo because you got to, every rock show has a drum solo, but how do you get into that drum solo? And how does that drum solo um, work its way into the second half of the set? So what would usually be, whether it was as Dirty Diamonds musical interlude, there was one year with Eric Dover, I, me and Eric Dover and Eric Singer were all playing drums. I don't know if you remember that. I, I, I remember that was that was the bare bones into Eyes of Alice Cooper tour because I, that was my first ever Alice Cooper show. And the lineup was uh, you, Eric Dover, Tommy Cluffos, and Chuck Garrick. And there was that bit where you do Halo of Flies, and you and Eric had the drums, and Tommy was giving it, and you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, actually, I think that did continue into Dirty Diamonds when Damon Johnson was in the band and he played the drums. Okay. Um, that was back when you could still throw drumsticks into the audience and not risk getting a million dollar lawsuit against you. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a perfect segue. That's a perfect segue because, of course, you've played for Alice since 96. You still do play for Alice. But for, again, people like myself and Robbie who, who kind of got into around the Eyes of Alice Cooper era, Eyes of Alice Cooper and Dirty Diamonds were two very much, they were kind of your albums. Like you can hear you all over them. Um, and like how, how did that feel to not just be playing with a legend like that, but to actually have your songs sung from his oh, exactly like, how you would think it would feel i mean to just have a riff come up with a riff come up with a song title and then show it to alice and show it to the rest of the band and then the rest of the band all contributes and everybody just sort of puts does what they do that's so good and helps the song be you know get put onto an album that gets released. Yeah, it's exactly how you'd think it would feel. It feels fucking awesome. I mean, it was a real, those two albums were real, I feel, band albums and real, everybody was able to contribute on certain songs, no doubt about it. And uh, I think the coolest part for me of the experience was the writing, especially with uh, with Eyes and, and with Dirty Diamonds as well, where we'd all be sitting together in a room and, Alice would come in and say, okay, well, here's what we're going to write about. So you got any risks for this? This is the idea. And I think I've told this story uh, before for the people that are in the chat, but about the, the ballad of Jesse, Jesse Jane, right? Jane. Yeah. Yeah. That album is, you know, imagine Alice, you know, walks in, he's, he's probably golfed nine holes or maybe 18 holes in the morning. And he comes into the studio and he says, well, today we're going to write a song about this, uh, his truck driver who, who just, you know, he's not gay, but he likes to wear uh, women's clothing. So, and, and he, people don't have to understand it. It's just what he, you know, what he enjoys doing. It makes him feel happy, which feels totally normal now in 2021, but maybe back in 2005, it was a little odd or something for at least Alice to bring it into the conversation. He goes, yeah, we're going to write this song. And it's about the ballad of Jesse Jane, how about that? And then you got any riffs for it? And it's like, oh, I got that riff, the cross-dressing truck driver. That <laughs> I got that exact. I, I got that. That's I. I mean, Eyes for me is is one of my favorite Alice albums because it feels like a whole album. And the first the first Alice show I ever saw was a bare bones set. It was Eyes of Alice Cooper yep. in London. But Dirty Diamonds holds a special place for me because that is when we first met. Dirty Diamonds tour. What? And Vic has a picture. 
Yeah, Vic has a picture of the first one, which we've all seen before. <laughs> but the one photo that's never seen the public is uh, this is later that evening. And let's see if you recognize the throwback T-shirt. There it is, the Wonka, the Wonka shirt. And look at you, is- man. Look at you, Dave <laughs> Rat, man. L- look at you, Johnny. The, the Dutch Depp. boy bouffant haircut. I loved it. It was like, <laughs> you know, all one layer. It was a little bit grungy. But yeah. W- yeah, that that was, I haven't had a haircut. That, that wasn't, that wasn't, I've I'm grown like, no, my I'll hair. I'll grow that out was- one length. Yeah. Didn't, we all <laughs> had that one length thing, one length phase. I think there was probably some indie, you know, grunge band that we all said, that guy looks so freaking cool. It's all just, I think it was the guitarist for me. It was the guitarist in Radiohead, you know, the guy, the, um, the, uh, in Coxon? Cre- no, 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 he was Blur. Johnny. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know who you mean. You know, I think it was because he had all this one length hair and I'm a cream. So when he, you know, that whole vibe, I think we all wanted to be, uh, him. And so we tried to compensate by growing our hair one length. That's my theory, at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, like you say, we've all had that phase. We've all gone through that phase. Um, and I think uh, that is a good place for us to have a commercial break. Wow. And you thinking the same find thing out I was thinking. Who, and find out who this week's Fan of the Week is. So, right. Vic, do you want to run that commercial? Yeah, all right, here we go. Hello, Ryan Roxy here. And I get a lot of questions lately regarding the current guitar amp setup that I'm using. Well, here's the answer. It's the Hughes and Kettner Black Spirit 200 floor model. Because it's roughly the same size as a compact pedal board, it can fit on any stage or desktop easily. But don't let the size fool you. Inside it's packed with a 200 watt power amp, a ton of presets and programming options, built-in Redbox Direct technology, plus all the built-in effects you'd want. And the secret behind the tone? Well, that's the Bionic Spirit Tone Generator, which is fully programmable on the amp by using its built-in Bluetooth to connect to the app, which works seamlessly with both iPad and Android devices. But probably the best thing about the Black Spirit 200 is that it's easy to use. With its user-friendly setup, I managed to get a great tone going within just a couple of minutes of plugging in. If you're looking for that perfect, compact, all-around amp that covers you in the studio, on the stage, and even live streaming, this is the one. Check out the links for the Hughes and Kentner Black Spirit below or in the description, and let's get rolling. Speaking of rolling, on with the show. Damn. Now that, that is some professional advertising there. I think we've actually improved, you know, just to sort of become host for a second. I think the video quality has improved a little bit too. I mean, the sound quality, obviously, with our biodynamic headphones and microphones now, it's uh, sounding good and... This is the video quality, but then the overall, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, I feel more youthful now. Maybe it's because I'm dressing in this uh, sort of track suit. That's the reason why. I feel like the only thing it's missing is, but wait, there's more in full, in full Billy Mays style. And there but is more, isn't there? There is more. So as we know, our inaugural fan of the week was Carol Parker. Last week, our fan of the week was Kathy Grant. But Everybody go week, check out Kathy's uh, Kathy's new podcast that she has been inspired. She, she actually admitted that she was partly inspired by In the Trenches. She debuts her uh, podcast when? I think it was today. 
today, I think. It's if not today, next Tuesday. It's it's but she's got Toya on. I mean, if you're a UK person, you'll have heard of Toya. She was huge here in the eighties. But if you haven't heard of her, go watch Kathy's podcast, learn about her. And there's something everyone Yeah, this morning. So it was this morning at eleven. So we're only a few hours out. Get after this show, head on over. And, yeah, I will. Uh, I was out. golfing. I have an excuse. I know I know <laughs> I Kathy Grant won't think it was an excuse. <laughs> But I had I had a nice Tuesday off. I got to golf nine holes, and Bianca was very nice to me. But she filmed me having a road rage at one point. That's the only thing. So I, I want to see that video. But also, <laughs> we we need to crown this week's fan of the week. So oh, we sure. had a look at a couple of posts. There was a really strong entry from somebody who I think we'll be seeing in 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 soon to come weeks but for this one we know that someone received a box of goodies this week and that was kitty o's she posted so let's roll the tape there she is kitty oats fan of the week <laughs> and she even has the handwritten lyrics which uh yeah the question is is you know, she in the chat right now because the th i think she is there she is kitty oats is there and uh she's you know why she deserves to be fan of the week this week is because i think it's probably about four or five o'clock in the morning in australia wherever she's watching and she's from. here and she's here yeah good for you congratulations kitty oats yeah. everybody in the chat give her some yeah. So around just after Dirty Diamonds is when you left Alice Cooper. And in 2004, around the time of the eyes, you'd released uh, Peace, Love and Armageddon under the name Roxy 77. So um, tell us a little bit about Roxy 77, how that came about and uh, what made that different to Imagine Your Reality and that being released as a Ryan Roxy record? Um, wow. <laughs> There's a little bit over too much Photoshop. Remember I said we would too talk much about <laughs> Too much perspective. Wow. Can you go back to that photo again? I mean, there's no, there's no way that my nose was ever that straight and uh, my skin was ever that nice. And I, I look, yeah, I just you, look like I don't have pores. I look pretty ill too. Ooh, I don't <laughs> know. It's like a weird 90s uh, Calvin Klein ad or something like that. But no, just to set a little bit of perspective, in 2005, I didn't ever leave Alice. I moved to Sweden. And that caused a lot of things uh, to change for me with life and with the um, having two kids at that point. And then um, subsequently wanting to see these early years of these kids um, development and grow up and just kind of be around. So, I mean, it was a tough, tough decision to not go back on tour. And I'm again, every single day, I'm grateful that I got that call back in 2012 when the spot opened up again, that I've been able to, to go back and continue to tour. And, uh, but yeah, that was, I was moving. You know, and but we had done a, an album, a couple albums called uh, with Roxy 77, Peace, Love and Armageddon being the first one. And then that was with an American lineup. 
and uh, Jeff Morose on bass. No, that's the Swedish lineup, but that uh, the the American lineup was Mike Fasano and uh, Dan and um, Dan Myers and Teddy Zigzag and uh, Jeff Morose and. I'm very proud of that album. Gilby Clark produced it, and that was the American sort of lineup of that, of Roxy 77. Well, when I moved to Sweden, I put a Swedish version together. Um, for the early years, it was called Happy Pill, and Happy Pill, um, same lineup that became Roxy 77, morphed into Roxy 77, and that was with Anton. Now you can put that picture up there, your producer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's Eric Reeveman, Mag Magnus Wilkstrom. Um, that's me showing you how many fingers I have. And then um, Anton on the left, who is my sort of golf buddy out here in Sweden. And very much like Chuck Garrick, he's very competitive. So uh, we're very competitive golf friends nowadays. And actually, we could end up making some more music uh, really soon. Actually, Anton, he played on the new uh, Imagine Your Reality album. So you ask, wh how, why did Roxy 77 become uh, Ryan Roxy? And how can I say it? A couple people came up to me and they said, you know what? People know you. And this was after I joined back with Alice in 2012. So they know you as the guitarist for Alice Cooper. You've been there for a long time. Like I said, you're, you're the Bruce Kulick of the Alice Cooper band. They know they associate you. Why not just use your name? And I've always been under that impression. Well, I want to be part of a band, you know, whether it's, you know, in that way of Slash's Snake Pit. I guess Roxy 77 was a little bit putting my name in there, but but making it a band. Um, I remember Dave Grohl saying, you know what, I could call it the Dave Grohl band, but I wanted to be Foo Fighters. That's what it was. So I think we all wanted to be part of this band identity. But then... You know, I listened <laughs> to what, you know, some people were saying and, and I took a step back and I said, you know what? They do know me from Alice. I've put in a lot of years with Alice Cooper. I'll just put out a solo album called Ryan Roxy and I'll get all the musicians that I've been playing with over the years to hopefully help contribute. And maybe some... <laughs> How much Photoshop do we have going on in that photo now? <laughs> now, wait, wait. Is that an early... Go back to that photo. I might have gotten into a car accident earlier in the week and still had a head wound because that's what it does not look like. <laughs> it does not look like a bandana. That looks more like a bandage. <laughs> but damn, don't you love the 2000s when people were just discovering Photoshop and what you could do? We can make you look younger. Can you? <laughs> All right, do it. <laughs> yeah. so, and now, and now, of course, the trend is going back to a more natural look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What? That's not good. Yeah. So, Vic, so does your producer have to throw that in just to wind up my wife? Is that what he's doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should you should see the stuff I told him not to show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the electric angels one i was like yeah vic i'm not gonna do electric angels robbie covered that and he's like yeah but this photo's cool so <laughs> there it is vic making friends out there i can tell um yeah but but the ryan roxy sort of the way it's shifted from roxy 77 to ryan roxy it wasn't that big a shift because i still sign everything that 
I'm on as Roxy 77. That's kind of who I am. And is that you as well? Vic, I'm at, no, is that, that you, Dave? I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's before my time. That's, okay. that would have been blonde dreadlocks era. Okay, go, so. go back to just that picture real quick, Vic, if you can. Yeah. Look at that. Still having the red, white, and blue wristband. It's been part of my reality for a long time. I've always loved the bucket hat. Um, the reason why folks, I can't wear the bucket hat when I do the podcast and I can only wear the beanies and I can't wear the big cowboy hats is because these amazing headphones, but you know, the beanie works out good with it. And, uh, how are you listening to me there? Do you have just good hearing? I I have, I have in ears. Oh, in ears. Look at you, Dave. You're so professional. What a professional host you've been. You're killing (laughs) it. I have a little. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, (laughs) Thank you for um, being our guest host. <laughs> guest host. Uh, now, you mentioned that you always sign things, 77. And one of the questions I was sent was from Dan George. And he says, why 77? Why do you sign everything 77? Why Rock to 77, the band? Where did 77 come from? Have you not gone down that rabbit hole? Have you not listened oh, to enough of my podcast where I where I explain this? Because at first I was going to keep it kind of mysterious and like, oh, maybe just, you know. Maybe some people will actually think I'm born in 77, which would be hilarious, hilarious, but it's definitely not, that's definitely not the case. Um, 77 came because I was jamming with Gilby Clark and he was in a band called Guns N' Roses. Enough set, right? Because he, when I was in a band with him, he would sign GNR 94, GNR 93 or whatever year it was that I, that we would be on tour. And at that, those years, 93, 94, 92, 93, 94, whatever it was, they were the biggest band on the planet. Not, not just biggest band in rock. It was the biggest band on the planet. So how can I compete with something that says GNR 93 or GNR 92 or whatever it is? Well, I could go one less, couldn't I? Or, or, or 20 less or something like that. I could go a few years less make it a classic in like uh, autograph. <laughs> and it was, I used to sign it. No lie. Ryan Roxy 77. So people would, the idea was people would think, Oh man, I got this in 1977. That's a big, so that was the way it initiated. But then the more I found out about the year 1977, then it kind of switched over to that because then all of a sudden I realized that, every single band that I've ever listened to and been influenced by and has come through me and influenced me with, with songs and, and guitar riffs and everything had either their debut album or one of their best albums in the year 1977. So I, if anyone really wants to know why I signed stuff, uh, Roxy 77, just Google music 1977 and you'll find out the whole spectrum and every single band that's that released an album um you'll you'll hopefully agree with me that it's either one of one of their best or it was their debut you know in in my case my favorite band most people know it's it's cheap trick always has been they're my beatles and they released two albums in 1977 original album and in color uh, Kiss released Love Gun, and maybe Love Gun wasn't the the album that you know 
because they had already broken by then. But for me, Love Gun was, that was the album that just broke them into the mainstream. Christine 16, I Stole Your Love, Plaster Caster, um, so many songs off that album. Um, what else? Queen, News of the World. I've, I've used News of the World as one of the most diverse rock records of our time. If you listen track by track, you you can't pin anything down, but every song is great in every single genre. Um, Sex Pistols debut album. Um, you know, enough said. It's just all attitude. Uh, who else came out and? It seven? really was the year for great music and, and 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 important events and lifelong events. Mark Bolin passed away in seventy seven. Elvis Presley passed away in seventy seven. Star Wars was released in nineteen seventy seven. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of things that happened in that year. And plus, when you put it on a t shirt, it looks pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah. Kanak said that in the in the thing. He said. Uh, he said that other numbers just wouldn't have clicked the same. 77 just clicks. So, yeah. Um, now, we all know that 2012, you rejoined Alice Cooper uh, and you've played with the current lineup. Um, we've done a lot on the current lineup. I think everyone in this chat knows a lot about that. The only question I really have for that era is, how does playing with this lineup, there they are, there they are. That is um, how, how does playing with this lineup differ to your first in when it was kind of the more Damon Johnson, Eric Dover, Eric Singer sort of era. Is, is there, a, how does that? I think there is a collective uh, effort with this lineup and it has no fault of anybody that's in a previous lineup. It, I think it has to do with a little bit more of experience and age. And in my case, um, ego check <laughs> uh, because I think in those earlier lineups that you were talking about, my ego was much more out of control. So, I mean, if you think I have an ego now, well then you should probably should have seen me in those earlier years because maybe you shouldn't have seen me because it was probably a lot worse. And I, I don't feel that I have an ego now. I, I feel that it's way more about the common bond of making the same thing attitude that Alice has sort of preached and talked about over the years is making the show the best it can be and everybody contributing their role and everybody knowing their role. It's not knowing your lane. It's a difference, you know, because if you know your lane, then that means you have to stick to it. No, we can diverge in, in sort of cross lanes, but just know if you know your role, what you bring to the band and, and not don't have to do too much and understand that you will get your spotlight because Alice is really good about sharing the spotlight at this point in his career. And he's been like that a long, he's been that way for a long time. He always gives his band credit. So, you know, as much as I, I can say I'm a higher gun. I also say that I'm, truly truly feel like i'm a special part of a band because yeah we i mean everybody knows whose name is on the marquee but alice lets us lets us all get featured and you know there's this old story about this piece of tape that david lee roth 
wouldn't let you pass. You know, I don't know if that's folklore or if that's um, just urban legend, but apparently on there was some tape, some that you that was some duct tape that was put on the stage where if you were in his band, you couldn't pass that that duct tape. Well, you know, that completely is not a thing with Alice. It's he pushes you to the front and he says, You go out there, if you play a guitar solo, you better play a guitar solo. So I feel that the lineup that we have now all supports that. We're all comfortable within our roles. And that's why I think we truly do um, enjoy playing with each other and look forward to touring again because we truly have a good time uh, when we're doing it. And like I said, it could be it could be an, a little bit more experience, a little bit more uh, ego check under my belt. You know, I can't speak for other people, but I can only speak for myself. And I know that hopefully again, fingers crossed, holding thumbs, whatever works in your country, um, that it stays that way because I I really love this lineup and I hope we can, can, can continue to do uh, many more tours. Um, like the one that we're scheduled to do in, uh, September and October. What does Cindy say? Other than the original group, this is by far the best lineup. You are Cindy is the best, and it's true. The original, you, you can't ever fuck with the OGs. The OGs are, are, you know, were, are, and forever will be the best lineup that Alice had because, you know, I had the pleasure of being able to play with the OGs. You know, with 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 Michael Neal and Dennis and Alice and. You know, I was able to play the role of of Glenn and just kind of sit back and watch all this go down. But when those guys got together and played those songs, they were completely different than what the way our lineup does because they were the originals. They were the ones that recorded those tracks on tape. And, and just to be a part of that was so special. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Cindy is uh, Dennis's wife and... Um, yeah, and Neil's sister, right? Cindy Dunaway, there she is. <laughs> I, I feel a bit like Cindy's got my script because... Um, well, I was hold on a... and give Cindy credit for clothing the band too. So she, oh, was, al- she was also their personal stylist. You know, she probably back before when that was even a that. title. She so and and I've I've been gifted a sequence scarf or two from Cindy. So big hug at you. And again, like I said, that's another thing that I think this lineup um, and every lineup that I've ever been in um, feels about the OGs. Uh, those guys, we much respect to the original band because if, if it wasn't for the original Alice Cooper band, we wouldn't have jobs. We, we simply wouldn't have jobs playing in this band because their songs, those great hits have transcended ages and transcended generations and we've were able to uh, still make a living and play music because of them so we're always thankful for that yeah i mean the ogs you playing with the ogs is something like i said i think cindy's got my script because i was literally about to ask um obviously you played with the ogs you're on the live at the astroturf um record and rich vandermey got in touch and said he oh, would shit. like to know yeah, you remember Rich? Oh, I he, love he Rich, says yeah. hi. He says hi. Uh, he got in touch and said, 
when you're playing with the current lineup and when you're playing with the OGs, is there a difference in the way you play, or do you kind of play the same and and like like do I've you have completely to different, different parts for for both bands because you have to understand that with the current lineup that we have, three guitar players. We have that luxury of that third guitarist. So whoever it might be is like an overdub part. Going all the way back to Slash's Snake Pit in the early part of our conversation uh, with Snake Pit, Slash told me straight up, dude, you're going to be out of everything coming out of the left speaker is going to be you. Everything coming out of the right speaker is going to be me. And the only thing he didn't tell me is that everything else over the top and to the left, right, and center left, center right, that's going to be Slash too. <laughs> that's going to be Slash as well. So there's a lot of Slash all over the place. But if you distinctly listen to the left speaker, that's all my parts, everything that I would write to counter Slash's part, main part that's on the, on, on the right. I'm on the left. He's on the right. Sorry about that. Um, and the current band has that as well. You know, there's parts that we break up, whether it's a double or a harmony or someone's just holding down the foundation chords. Those are very important parts and we're able to uh, cohesively put them together. Whereas the OGs, you know, Michael has a certain way of playing. Michael has a certain part that he's done for years. That's what he's going to play. So I have to play that counterpart no matter what. And whatever Glenn was playing at that point, that's the part I need to play. Um, and there, there's uh, Michael Bruce with that famous baby arm guitar. I love. <laughs> if you guys look closely, uh, there's a little baby arm on his guitar. And if, if I'm not sure what episode that we had Michael Bruce on, but it was a, it was a while back as part of the legacy. He talks about that baby arm and how it got there. That's a cool story. Well, so, you know, it's no secret to anyone who's watching today that you're like a key member of the current Alice Cooper lineup, but you do wander sometimes to other projects. So, of course, we've got Imagine Your Reality, which we touched on earlier, and that kind of became um, like a planet axe. So... You know, is it important to you that you still have a little bit of freedom to kind of experiment with your own stuff as well as being part of the machine that is Alice Cooper? Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a I get that luxury because we don't tour 12 months out of the year. And, you know, the time that we're not touring with Alice still got to make some sort of income and we also have to still put out our own creativity. And a lot of these projects allow me to be part of it, whether it's the Los Angeles tour, whether it's Planet Axe tour, which your other co-host, Robbie Miller, is part of as well, um, or whether it's just guesting on other people's music as well or putting other stuff together um, as well. There, there's, we even put something together this last year that was very under the radar because, um, and I haven't really spoken about it, but I'm eyes well. If if I have an audience right now that's that's listening and they haven't checked it out yet, um, I put together a little thing, one song, uh, that's called the North, and uh, I didn't put any of our names that contributed it, but I'm going to tell you right now who they are, um, Christopher Foley who uh, produced Imagine Your Reality, great producer. He played drums and mixed it. Um, 
Tommy Hendrickson actually contributed was part of the drum uh, tracks as well. And um, then we had Chips Enough, who's been on the program, uh, been on In the Trenches. He played bass on it. And our good old friend Eric Dover sang. And it was which a for me was the giveaway because Eric Dover <laughs> only sounds like Eric Dover. <laughs> you know I mean? like, and of course, we covered to bring things full circle. We covered that amazing band with the amazing guitar player with the one length hair, uh, Radiohead. We covered <laughs> Creep, and the song is one of those songs that just is is already a great song. But then when you hear the performance that everybody put into it. You know, the bass, if you just, if you even just isolate the bass, it's a really great performance of it. Um, but obviously Eric Dover just made it his own. I love it when, if you're going to do a cover, uh, make it your own. It's always hard to copy a Beatles song or a Cheap Trick song or a, uh, you know, any song that's already big, it's hard to do. If you don't make it your own, if you just try and cover it, then you're going to obviously fail because there's no way it can be as great as the original. But I think the version that we did of Creep under the name The North is a very, very cool version. So if you haven't checked it out out there, uh, those of you that are watching this podcast, um, it's 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 hidden. It's very hidden in the uh, it's out there. Maybe in, we'll share in it the this. YouTube world, but it's it's there. So go check it out and then you'll know, you know. And then immediately you'll say, "Oh, Eric Dover, that's 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 him." <laughs> well, you you mentioned the Lost Angels, which Vic has a photo of. No, oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. So this was this was the 2019 tour. You see Dover on the end there, and one thing that really stuck out to me being on that tour with you guys was how you and Eric kind of played together in such a way, almost. Like so, for example, one night I was stood by the sound desk, and I just said to the sound man, "Can we have a little bit less of him and a little bit more of him, and just kind of change the presence a bit?" And the guy's like, "I know what I'm doing." I'm like, "Okay, but I know how these guys play together because they slot together, like, and that is how they need to sound to for that to work." And he was like, "Cool." And who really was busy at the merch stand at that point? <laughs> Uh, I I think um, Daryl Daryl uh, was on the merch stand at that point um, because you were but, in charge of the VIP and you were in charge. Well, you did you wore a lot of hats on that tour. Yeah, I I, I was the crew on that tour. Oh, there was me and Daryl. That was it. You know, um, but but the point being, like you and Eric have a real sort of almost shining thing where you're on track and. How does it feel for you when you when you encounter someone like that, where you do just meld together? Like, what's it like to be a part of that sort of? That's why you play guitar. That's why you play music. That's why you play in a band is to find those people that you have those moments with. And luckily, I've been able to have those types of moments with many musicians. Obviously, Eric Dover is one of those guitar players that I. And there's Ferg. I'm having a moment with him right there at that at that moment when he played bass on the on a Roxy seventy seven tour that we did in the UK. But I've been lucky to have those types of moments with musicians. That's the reason why we play. To be honest with you, it's like yeah, there's there's satisfaction to play for yourself and get that enjoyment, no doubt. But the real payoff is to meet another musician 
you speak your language with music, they speak their language, you know, he or she speaks their language, and then you guys just create something that's completely new. You create a new language. And there's, you know, for instance, very cool to play with Ori and learning a lot. Again, you know, another teacher in a slash sort of way. Because Ori has such a unique style, I was able to grab some of her ideas off her and then hopefully make them into my plane, infiltrate them into my sort of style in my plane, and then have something new come out. But, you know, the most important guy that uh, I've been able to have most of those moments with over a long period of time is the guy that uh, I tour with to this day. I mean, just on stage with Alice when he'll hit a note and I'll hit a note. And then we just kind of, we'll do, I close my eyes and I kind of, I look back to like those early pictures of growing up, those poster idols that I would have of Mick and Keith and Steven and Joey. And, you know, I guess you could say slash and Axel when there's a moment that Alice and I can be side by side, he's singing, I'm playing. That's, to me, again, one of the reasons why I play guitar. It's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I wanted to I wanted to be that guitar player next to that singer playing that iconic song. And uh, I'm lucky that I've been able to do that a number of times. Well, I'm very conscious of the time and yeah. I would like to I would like to um I mean if you're having a good time, we can just carry on we've still got some juicy I'm stuff i'm not getting the hook yet if you like i said my Let's, uh you keep rolling it if, if i'm if i'm uh over speaking i guess uh oh I, we'll I, see we'll I, see if i, I get I'm a message sure i'll get used <laughs> in, into the uh i'm sure i'll vic will get me in the private chat but again everybody that's watching this i i can't appreciate um what you've done to contribute and support making in the trenches what it is and hopefully we can continue to grow I mean, we're not even close to where we want to be but we're not at all discounting where we've come from because we've come from absolutely nothing and um, i think the whole entire rga team and you're part of that team dave um we're really thankful to have people watch us and spread the word about it so Thanks. We are. I mean, we, we couldn't be doing this right now. I mean, it's all a bit of fun to have Brian as the guest on his own show and have me host it. But ultimately, we can only do that because you guys will watch it. So, you know. When I say now, Vic, again, with the private comments, because didn't mention Tommy. What Tommy are you talking about? You're talking about Tommy Henriksen? Of course, dude. My, oh, so, he, so how, how do you not mention Tommy Henriksen? I, I, I've mentioned him like a million times, Vic. Yeah, producer. Your producer is like, wait a second. How have I not? I just mentioned him that he produced the. You know, he helped contribute to the North. Um, we're in. The, <laughs> am I going to get a fight I, with I, your I, producer now? Wait a second. Yeah, Tommy I mean, Hendricks. Dude, you know what it is. He. I think it, what's happening is Vic has a lot of Tommy Roxy photos so, yeah. stowed up, and he wants to show them a lot of Vic Shell font. And there's one really, really great one that I wonder if Vic has that where we did a photo shoot with me and Tommy, just the two of us and back and forth. I think I have a sort of a Brett Michaels headband. It's not the uh, car accident bandage. And uh, I think we're sitting next to each other with our guitars, but look, Tommy and I have known each other for years and years and 
the fact that we're, we laugh about it all the time. The fact that we're, we're, we're sort of the bookends we call ourselves We're you know, I'm on extreme stage, right? He's on extreme stage left and we're the bookends of this Alice Cooper lineup. And in a lot of ways, um, we are like that left and right speaker. You know, if you listen to us, we, there's certain parts come out of my, my, and and certain parts out of the comment there's the picture vic found it that's of course the, who took the photo vic chalfont and he did a lot of photoshop but that was because of my demands my high photoshop demands <laughs> but being those bookends um it, it, and, and then nita coming in with all her parts and harmony parts it really uh does blend in with a i, I don't know I guess a three guitar lineup is not a anomaly anymore, but I'm really happy to be part of a three guitar lineup. Cool. Well, I think that was the main event we've, we've covered up to pretty much the present day now. Um, I just have one question um, okay. about in the trenches. Who is your dream guest? If, if you had a magic phone right now, who are you Ooh. calling to be on in the trenches? <sighs> dream guest. I mean, there, there's so many people I want to get on now. Um, and again, they're not all musicians. They're, they're some, some of them are personalities. Um, there's a, that guy that's, uh, really, he's all over the place now talking about UFOs, Corbell, I think it's Jerry Corbell or something like that. I, I really want to get him on to talk about some UFOs. Um, I would love to get Brian May on to talk about some guitars. I love. I, I figured. I figured he'd be the one. I, I like that was my guess that you'd say Brian. Brian, Brian May. May's a, a a bucket list guy. I would like to get on the show. But you know what? There's so many exciting guests that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm gonna get. Actually, it's a good time maybe to talk about it next let's, week. Let's mention who's coming up next. Next week, folks. This is one of those things that I know it might not seem rock and roll, but it's totally rock and roll. It's always been part of my. Uh, experience with the Alice Cooper band. And that's what I was talking about. What I did all day where I didn't have to research, I played golf. So next week we have Paul Wilson. He's going to be, he's a golf pro and we are having the In the Trenches golf special. So if you have any questions about your golf game or interested in the game of golf, which I know doesn't sound rock and roll, but it is. And Paul's a musician himself. So we always intertwine the music into it. But he's the creator of this thing called the body swing. And what I've been doing lately with uh, golf, and that's why you've seen a bunch of posts that I've put out, um, swing in the club, is I'm learning a whole new type of swing. And it's his swing. So if you want to, and it's one of the swings that Dallas has been trying to teach me. I just haven't been able to, thank you very much, Ashley O'Neill, by the way, they'll go towards my golf fund to pay for a new golf shirt that I got mud all over today. (laughs) And um, the thing is, I'm telling you, this guy is going to change the way you think about golf. And hopefully for those of you that play golf, he's going to, he might give you some pointers on how to completely change your swing or help the swing that you have already. So that's next week. That's the golf special and in the trenches, Paul Wilson. And that's about as much of a host as I'm going to become. I'm going to go back to being the guest now, Dave. Well, 
thank you for hanging on for so long and being so open with like, all the stories you've told. There's a lot of stuff that has uh, has we've not maybe heard before, but um, I think it's time that we move on. Okay, so we, um, I'm going to have a little disclaimer here. I, a lot of the stuff you've asked that are in these questions, you have already answered. So I'm just going to give a bit of a shout out to Kinga. She sent a great question. Jukebox Hero 81. Um, and I have a few other questions. Now, this is, this is one that I would love to know is Kathy Grant said, if you could have any song play every time you entered a room, what would it be? Wow. That's a hard one because whatever song you had entered, you, you'll get sick of it after a while, wouldn't you? Um, but if I could have, when I, when I entered a room, <laughs> um, wow, that is a good question because what song do you want people to sort of recognize you with? And um, I mean, I think that egotistical part of you wants it to be one of your songs, right? And so in a, in that sense, I would think, well, California Man is a good suggestion, Chris. That really is because how about that? Every time I entered, because it's not just my song, California Man, it's also a cheap trick song, which I covered, which they covered from a band called The Move. So... California Man from the Imagine Your Reality uh, album. I walk into it and everybody immediately recognizes me as a California man. Although I have not been a California man for quite some time as being a European guy or, you know, someday being a South African dude or, you know, a New Yorker. But uh, California Man is always going to be in my... Uh, in my bones and uh, it's where I come from and I'm proud of it. And uh, so California, man, good suggestion with Robin Zander helping on those vocals, by the way. That was a great, Another I can't OG. believe you got, yeah. Um, okay. This one, I, this one's actually, I thought of this, but I think everyone in this chat would agree with me on this one. Uh, Alice is 73 years old. And you are quite a bit younger, so you are going to have a longer career. If Alice was to retire now, who are you picking up the phone to to join their band? Hmm. Which band would you be in if Alice called it a day and you had to go and find a new thing? Would I play in a band with you again? <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'd be <laughs> Lord Fauntleroy, <laughs> the Dutch boy paint man. Um, what would I do? I would hopefully... I wouldn't pick up the phone, the phone would ring. But at the same time, I wouldn't, I, I don't even want to think about that because I honestly think that Alice has um, a lot of touring left in him. He's he's very energetic. Trust me, he's talked, he's talked to me about this upcoming tour. Couldn't be more excited about it. Couldn't be more ready to get out there and start playing. And then I know that 2022 is another, um, he's already mentioned that as well. So my feeling is like we ride out into the sunset, you know, as long as it can go. Um, if that time comes and I'm still available, you know, lucky enough to be in the game and playing and um, ready to, to bring it, so to speak, there's a, 
there's a ton of bands that would be quite cool to play in. Um, classic rock bands that maybe are now whatever the new classic rock becomes. Because now, as you can see, more of those uh, 90s grunge bands have become more, cla- they're considered classic rock now. So, you know, I'm not sure if Oasis would ever need another guitar player when they eventually do their um, reunion tour, which they would, but obviously Oasis is a huge influence on my music and uh, my attitude. And just as long as it's just not a ton of drama still, you know, I've been very lucky to avoid the drama of a, uh, of a band of being in a band and especially with Alice Cooper, you know, the ego drama has really, even though, like I admitted earlier that my ego was probably needed to be a little bit more in check and that, that right there shows that I had a little bit of an ego back in those early two thousands. Um, I would say get into a band that seems to be as cohesive and, uh, um, pliable as this original, uh, touring lineup that we have now. Um, Foo Fighters is always one of those bands that you would always just like to be a part of because it does seem like you'd always a, take that phone party. call, wouldn't you? Oh, dude, you take any of those. Anytime Grohl calls you, you answer immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to slide straight into, um, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. You got it. And that, that's difficult for me because being that I've known you for like 16 years now, I think I know a lot of, of the stories. You know um, if it's fact or fiction. Yeah, but there is one, and feel free to, to, not, to not tell the story, but I was told by a man in Hollywood about something called the Miracle of London. <laughs> where... <laughs> yeah. Is, is, it, is it true that you managed to essentially bullshit your way into the Led Zeppelin reunion show. Total fact. Yeah. I, I snuck, <laughs> snuck my way in to the reunion Led Zeppelin show. And it was one of the coolest things to have ever happened because um, I'm so glad I was able to see it. Now, was it the greatest show, especially the first couple songs when the sound was you know, really tweaking it and working it? No, I was there. I'll be honest with you. There was some definitely some sound issues in the first couple of songs, but once they got it all dialed in, it was so great to see Led Zeppelin for the first time. I'd never seen him before. And uh, Jason Bonham, the, he played drums that night, uh, you know, in place of his father, stole the show. Uh, he, he just played great. Obviously, everybody contributed and did their thing, and John Paul Jones was was on top of his game, no doubt. Uh, Jimmy Page played great. Robert Plant sang great. It, it was it was obviously Led Zeppelin. There's no doubt about it. But the story of getting into that show was quite insane, you know. And, uh, you know, Alan White, who's the drummer of Yes, him and his wife, I always thank his wife for, for taking the phone call as I was sitting outside with another buddy who had come down, and I didn't know this, Jack Middleman, he had come down to the same venue without a ticket. 
I had no ticket. He had no ticket. I had maybe a wish that there might be a guest list. There was no guest list at the end of the day. Apparently, uh, who was it? Uh, not Jeff Beck, but Eric Clapton. Yeah, one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton called Jason and asked for a ticket. And Jason, sorry, man, I can't help you out. So obviously, if Jason was going to be my ticket in and he had to turn down Eric Clapton, well, guess who else got turned down? Um, so I, I just, I was content to hang out in the, in the bar outside the O2, uh, right outside and, um, you know, go to the after parties because that's where my buddies had all gone or said that we could go to. Well, Alan White's wife answers the phone call from my buddy Jack because we knew each other from a charity event that we had done with Alan and my buddy Jack and myself. It was actually a John Lennon tribute. She takes the phone call. She says, wait right where you're at. She comes out with two laminates from the opening band because the opening band, I believe it was either, I think it was Yes or it was Asia that opened up that show. Do you remember? Maybe somebody in the chat does. But it was a band that Alan was playing in. Two laminates, comes out, put the lanyards around our, our, our necks, and she goes, don't look at anybody just walk straight through all the way until we get into our dressing room. And so literally, <laughs> I looked straight ahead, and I just walked straight through past the velvet rope. See, in, the, in my peripheral vision, I'm seeing pretty much everybody who's who. You know, I'm seeing the guys, Noel Gallagher's on the right, and Marilyn Manson's on the left, and, you know, some sort of actress is here, and, uh, you know, passes right by that you definitely recognize and I don't look at anybody though I'm just like ah, pass the security <laughs> pass the first wave pass the second wave and, but they see the laminate so they let me go right through get all the way to uh, Alan's dressing room I take it off say thank you so much he goes hey first eight rows are all just guests you can sit anywhere you want it's general admission in the first eight rows go enjoy it so I watched the show Led Zeppelin from uh, from like yeah probably the seventh row <laughs> and it was a uh, experience, and and the fact that, that is, and, and and the coolest thing about it is that the story sort of traveled because afterwards I met up with the guys uh, from L.A. Your mystery man from L.A. Who is Keith and Coke Paul? Coke Santa, we shall call him. Oh, you, you <laughs> said well, his Keith name. Paul, said his Paul name. Blazik has been uh, Paul Blazik has been on the podcast as well, but uh, mm. I met those guys up, and they and they told. Um, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard about the story. And we all met at this after party at Jason's hotel. And Joe Elliott comes up and goes, I heard you just, you just I heard you just snuck your way into Led Zeppelin. It's fucking cool, mate. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, Joe Elliott said I was cool. <laughs> Such a fanboy well, I was. But but this is the thing. I mean, I think it's easy for people to forget that you guys are fans too. You started out as fans. And if it means getting in to see a band that big, then you will also do what you can <laughs> to get if into, you're into that, music get in and you're not if, and you're not a fan and it's just only about you, then I just don't see how you can appreciate other people's respect and admiration for you as an artist because you have that same uh, admiration for musicians that your fans do. So I think it's, you have to have that. If not, then you're just going to 
perhaps treat your fans like shit. And you can't do that, at least not for too long. I mean, there's obviously people that do not treat their fans right, and I don't feel it lasts long. I I try to do everything I can to make sure that our fans and fans, whether it's fans of this show or fans of the System 12 or fans of just me in general, I try as much as I can to know how much we appreciate them, let them know how much we appreciate them, because I appreciate so many musicians and what they've brought to the table as well. So, yeah, I think you have to. Well, we're coming kind of to the end now, but um, before we get on to heading out onto the highway, Anders, Anders Lindholm really wanted me to make sure I ask you the question you ask a lot of people. Do you have a one that got away in terms of your guitars or gear? Oof, I do. Wow, that's a good question. And, and a lot of people don't know about the story of the off-colored white, the off-white cream-colored Strat that I got as my first electric guitar. The first electric guitar I got from Santa Claus. Um, I was very young. I, I appreciate Santa giving sound advice to my mom and dad at that point, at that Christmas, at whatever it was. And the true story is <laughs> early in the morning before Christmas and you open up presents and stuff, I snuck into the Christmas room, Christmas tree, and I saw the case and I opened it up and it was kind of like seeing the Holy Grail. It's like I opened up, it's like, oh! And it was this cream-colored Strat and with a white pickguard, exactly like uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix's, you know, Stratocaster. And then I, then I went to my mom and dad's bedroom. At the time, they were still married. And um, I literally couldn't sleep, but then I had to act surprised when, Chris, when, when it came to say time to open up the gifts. So I went, oh my God, I got a guitar. Even though the whole time I hadn't been able to sleep. So I got this guitar and I played with it and played and learned a lot of what uh, the basics and fundamentals, kind of like what I teach with System 12. I, but I was learning it the hard way, not the easy way with System 12. I was <laughs> learning, you know, the, I took the long road instead of the, sh- instead of the shortcut road. And eventually I figured out that heavy music you needed a humbucker pickup and this guitar, I could never get the heaviest sound because they, they bought a Fender Stratocaster with a Fender Vibro Champ amp and a Vibro Champ amp at that point, the best it could, you wanted to get that Fender Vibro Champ amp sounding great. You had to turn it on to a 10. You had to turn every knob all the way up and it kind of sounded a little bit rock, but it was so loud. It, it was, you'd hear it blocks away. And even for a small amp. But then when I figured out you needed humbucker pickups, I sold it to a buddy that I think was in either junior high or first year in high school. I think I sold it to Rob Lyons. That's his name. Go look him. We'll go look him up. So, so if you're out there, it. Rob, and you know where this guitar is. <laughs> is it Jeffrey Lyons? I'm not sure. Um, no, the thing is I sold it to him in order to get a Ibanez Destroyer, which is was a, basically a Gibson Explorer. Ibanez Destroyer, Gibson Explorer, it was kind of like a, you know, 
they made candy apple red and a blue one. Well, I got a candy apple red one instead. So I honestly, to this day, feel I, I always wanted that Stratocaster back. Um, but that's what that's why I have the Never Say Never Strat, is that was close to what I ended up um, getting back, was a white Stratocaster. The guys at Palermo put together this Stratocaster that uh, has a double coil in the back. So it's got the best of both worlds, double coil in the back and a, a single, I think it's called an HCC, Humbucker Single Single. And um, that Never Say Never Strat is the one that I play to this day. And um, that's been a couple of years now. So it's, it's sort of a, a, a nice throwback to my original Strat, but you know, someday I'm going to own that original Strat again. And if I can find that exact one, That'll be so, the one that got back. Oh, wow. Well, there's one that did get away. Yeah, there's another one that got away. That's that's the red, white, and blue GMP Roxy guitar. But you know what? I have no problem it getting away to a hard rock cafe in uh, in Los Angeles because I know where it's at. <laughs> and I can always go and that, check it out if I want to. That location's closed now. It's gone. Oh, well, then, damn. So then... it's It's in their vault somewhere, probably in Florida. If anyone sees restaurant. that uh, red, white, and blue GMP, uh, post tell it us up. where it is. Tell us where it is. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, <laughs> um, I can see. I can see Kina in the comments saying, "I never asked her question." I did give you a shout out, Kina. What do you want to ask? I'll answer it real quickly. She basically says, "What's your favorite thing about being a pro- professional musician?" Favorite thing about being a professional musician? I get to see the world playing music. I get to meet all of you. Um, I get to basically do what I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid growing up and I get to hopefully inspire people and if not inspire them at least take them away for the two hours that I get to perform from whatever sort of you know if they're feeling bad or they're feeling a little bit off I get to provide some sort of comfort and entertainment for that short amount of time. And hopefully it lasts longer. But again, you know, again, the, being able to inspire you to do what you want to do, play guitar or do whatever it is that you do well. Um, that's the payoff for me being a musician. And I'm very thankful for it every day, man. Really am. Cool. Well, Vic, I, I've been kind of skipping over your titles and they're such well-made titles. So Vic, do you want to run heading out on the highway and we'll wrap this up? What? There's a new title for that? Well, Is there not? I thought there was oh. a title for that. I've I've seen it before. Anyway, so, Wait, so the one that I, I just want I, I want to see I want to see Vic's uh, uh, sub, uh, subscribe uh, animation one last time because I thought that was cool that he brought that new to the table and uh, so folks there it is subscribe to the oh, channel that's cool. subscribe to the channel if you uh, have not checked out this. Uh, in the trenches and make sure you see next week the golf special and coming up the week after that wow there it is paul wilson the golf special you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to being a host next week but you, oh, yeah, you I, take I was, us on i home. was gonna do all that but you've just you've just saved me the trouble no, no um, you take it on home <laughs> take it on home. you've um, done a great job so, thank you very much and thank you for having me and thanks everyone for tuning in and and listen to me. I've I've kept you going for quite a while, but he's an interesting guy. What can I say? So, um, <laughs> and it's episode seventy-seven. I think we've gone on for more than seventy-seven minutes. Definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, the check cash. So I'll say all kinds of nice things about you if you want. <laughs> um, 
the uh, <laughs> so the final question. This is the last question, and it kind of ties into the end of Robbie's episode. Um, and this is something that people have been asking you, and and it's been alluded to at the end of the last episode uh, with Robbie, April twenty eighth, twenty twenty. Go watch it after this one. He talked about how one of the things that kind of you attract people because you're so um, accessible. You you make it accessible. You're you're at the merch stand during um, gigs. You're at the stage door afterwards. You let people message you and email you. And um, here we are. Yeah, see, there we go. That's a great example. You've always made yourself available. And you and Robbie really discussed that quite in depth. Here we are, 13 months later. We've now got a new Alice tour announced. We're in a very different place to where we were when you and Robbie had that conversation 13 months ago. Right. So I'm going to ask you the same thing he did. Where do you see live concerts going now? And will you still be as accessible? Will you be a bit more cautious? How, how do you see that going on? I think it depends a lot on how the world reacts to bands going out there and touring again, what the protocols in place are. I can tell you that there's probably definitely most definitely going to be changes in the way things that are done, whether it's the way the way meet and greets are done or whether it's the way accessibility is handled. Um, but I've gotten my first jab. I was pretty, uh, uh, public about that. I'm getting my second jab coming up in just a, a second, a couple months or so again. So I will be fully vaccinated and I will obviously adhere to whatever the protocols are. Um, I might be that guy that wears a mask if, if we do meet and greets, but Hey, I'll still be there. And I, and I honestly think that, uh, you know, whether there was a pandemic or not, the, the mask thing is kind of, Oh, so I didn't catch a cold all the year. I didn't catch a cold all throughout 20, 2020 and so far in 2021. Huh. Wonder how that happened. <laughs> I so, think they'll stay. Well, I, to I a certain extent, not to, not will. to everybody, but, but you know, to me, it's just like, we'll have to wait and see what happens on a macro level. Micro level, I would love to come and give every single one of y'all a hug. But at the same time, if it means we can't go out on tour because these certain protocols, you have to stick to them. Well, then I have to stick to that. No doubt about it. So I can't make any promises right now about how accessible we are, but I know that we're as accessible even more so than we ever have been with the team that we have together. And that includes Federica who's out there, you know, day in and day out promoting this, this show as a social media coordinator. Um, that includes you and Robbie with all the things that you do with System 12, it includes Vic producing everything and everybody under the sun and helping out. It includes Scotty Hagen for being part of the RGA as well. It includes Kanak. I mean, everybody that that's that's and it includes you out there that's watching that posts and reposts all of the stuff that we do um, and we put out there to help spread the word. And I say like, like even though it's episode 77 and we haven't, you know, broken these huge, huge numbers yet. I think we should still celebrate and, and, and be proud of that. We're on this ground level. We've created this so far. Um, 
We haven't stopped. We've been consistent with putting out quality episodes. We've got some great guests. If you have never seen the podcast before, you should go back and check out um, a bunch of the um, other episodes that we have. There's going to be someone that uh, inspires you and, and really interests you. And there's a lot more people coming in the future as well. So let's keep it going, folks. And hopefully we'll uh, meet again for 177th episode. That's possible. <laughs> and then that's the one where Vic's going to interview you, right? Is that what it is? All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, Vic, Vic did, sub- did submit some questions, but they were they were things like, who do you think you are? What gives you the right? Things like that. Things so that I he basically we'll, we'll says to me every time we FaceTime. <laughs> Yeah, so every time we every time we, we have one of the a, a Facebook uh, messaging, nah, he's not. He's actually not like that. We actually have a really good conversation, and um, I miss being um, on the other side of being the host. But guess what? Next week I'll be the host for the golf special, and hopefully all you guys will be there. And thank you very much for having me, Dave Rat. Thank you for coming, Ryan Rock. I have one last question for you. Time. Why do they call okay. you the Rat? Because you can be the rat. <laughs> I'm good at nicknames. <laughs> People don't yeah, realize I mean, how good I am at nicknames, I, and and that's one of my. Yeah, I mean, that's my superpower. Is that I come up, I'm 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 able to give brand someone as with a nickname, and then it kind of sticks for a lot of people. But uh, the it's, rat. It's funny. My my wife said because she met Keith, who is Coke Santa, and he told us <laughs> all the me. names of. Yeah, he told us all the names you've created. Seven and arms. when I, when I, yeah, so let's not go down that road. Um, but, but basically, when, when I first said, ah, oh, you know, he started calling me the rat and now other people are calling me it, I'm going to be stuck with it. And she said, you've made it. You've been it's named. It's a rite of passage. He's named you. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> so on that note, thank you for coming. Thank you for naming me, Ryan. Thank you for being a guest on In the Trenches. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? What are your socials? Let's get that out there right now. Oh, come on. You, uh, yeah, you know, you know he hasn't done one. You're watching the show right now. Just everything is at Ryan Roxy. You don't need to do that. Dick, did you actually make a shot? You did not. I don't think he did. Did he? No, he didn't. No, he probably did like Because everyone watching this, we know who you are. All this. Oh, yeah, we've got well, I'm definitely going to plug that. Those are the dates, folks, that if you want to go out and uh, see Alice Cooper and Ace Fraley, um, I will be there, and the rest of the Alice Cooper band will be there. Tommy Hendrickson will be there. Is that good, Vic? Did I mention it? <laughs> <laughs> you got the double bird from, from inside, folks. I got the double bird. <laughs> How about that? Thank you all for watching. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Ryan, if you just want to hang around for a bit, we'll, uh, we'll just tie sure. things up in a minute, and I'm going to take it on home. So thank you once again, Ryan Roxy. Cheers. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back.